you have fully vacant units on your property that you have mothballed until next semester? If you do, I bet you've thought to yourself, we should list those on Airbnb for game day weekends or for parents visiting their kids. Maybe you're in a college town like Austin or Raleigh or Tallahassee, and your city has large festivals and not enough hotel rooms. You know you could lease those units on a nightly or a weekly basis. Providing short-term rentals on platforms like Airbnb can provide a great source of ancillary income. But it takes some, uh, all right, excuse me, it takes a lot of organization. There's the additional setup of providing linens and coffee makers and all the little things that a short-term tenant will expect. Then there's the regulatory and tax issues that could require additional work. More importantly, there's the time and labor to market on all the multiple platforms, handle the reservations and cancellations, the cleaning, and then there's the bookkeeping. All of this turns into a big distraction from the main job at hand, which is operating and leasing your property. That's where Vector Travel comes in. These guys know the short-term rental industry and they know how to relieve all of those burdens from the property manager. And best of all, they've become experts in how to do that with student properties. They understand the complexity of mixing travelers with college students. They know it so well, they can quickly identify if a student property is not going to be a good fit for their program. So if you have vacant units, reach out to Vector Travel and have them do a free, no obligation assessment to determine if enrolling your vacant units in their program will be beneficial. Go to VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Fill out a quick form to receive more information. You will also get the first month service fee waived by going to that specific landing page. Again, that's VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees. And joining me as a special co-host today is someone who certainly brings student housing to life, Leslie Cole with Pivotal. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. So full transparency, I hired Pivotal a couple of months ago to, to take over my social media. I, I've uh, hired some people in the past and it's, um, it's, it's always one of those things that's kind of a transitional right. Uh you know, position for somebody because, because we're still not at a point where I can have somebody full time in that position, that type of thing. But, and the folks that have been in it have been just fabulous and have done great work. (laughs) Like I need something consistent in my life. (laughs) So talking with Leslie and we were like, you know what, this, this probably makes, makes sense. Certainly in the short term, maybe long term as well. And what's great about it. And I mean, you do this for everybody. You do this for you know, properties, you do it for bigger companies, you do it for vendors to the student housing and multifamily uh, world. And it's, everything is so plug and play, like not just with social media, but everything that you guys do. Just really quick plug Pivotal for us. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you've also just had a recent promotion as well. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) Let me just tell the audience when you're listening to Leslie, you're not just listening to, you know, someone who's directing social media and marketing for a company. She, she's been in the student housing business. She, she knows this industry 
she knows what you have to deal with on site. She knows how to be successful with it on site. So Leslie, with that being said, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. So that was a good intro. So I've only got a little bit uh, left to cover, but, um, but basically I have been working with Pivotal um, almost since it's um, kind of birth, if you will. Uh, so we started in, I think, September or August of 2018, and I came on in January of 2019. Um, we started as like what we called a girl gang. Um, so it was like our CEO and our COO and CFO all uh, kind of went way back um, and decided that they you know, saw some what we call like holes in the industry. Um, so things that you know we thought that we could bring a little fresh perspective to the table. And at the time, when we we're kind of coming up with this idea and you know figuring out how we can really help out across the nation, um, we we saw that there were no other companies that could say that they truly had student housing experience. It was mostly just you know the vendors that you would work with. Um, they they had digital marketing experience or they had reputation management experience, so on and so forth. But there was no no company that I had seen thus far, other than of course Student Housing Insight, that really you know had been in their shoes, quite frankly. So that's kind of where we came from um, and been with them ever since. So actually in about 20 days, I don't, uh, today is December 8th for those watching this later, um, but on January 1st is actually my three-year anniversary with them. So um, been around, uh, Pivotal's been around for a little over th uh, three years now. Um, and we basically offer, you know, marketing operations and management support um, for student housing and multifamily properties across the nation. And then we also kind of sprinkle in a couple of like small businesses as well, um, because we are also a small business. Um, so we know that, you know, their mi uh, mission is important and their message is important to get out. So um, uh, people that are listening to this episode today probably know of Carter Young. Um, they're one of my uh, favorite partners. Love working with them. Yes. Um, and then, you know, of Steve course, Carter. Student Housing Insight. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of a brief synopsis, if you will, over yeah. the past three years of my life. <laughs> No, thanks. And, and, and you know, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I mean, if it was that long ago, we were looking at, you know, what the, you know, what the plan looks like for right. December as far as social media was concerned. And that's when we came up or <laughs> you showed me this little beauty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got the, uh, uh, what's the, what's the guy's name the from Night Game of Thrones? King. The Night King. So, <laughs> And one thing I said, you know, I want to I want to make sure that we hit on is let's let's have some of our we don't want social media that is, you know, just boosting our podcast and, and you know, amplifying those like we're here for the professionals right, for sure. in this industry. And <clears throat> being, you know, a professional in the industry, I know that we need reminders from time to yeah. time. And so. Um, so a part of what you guys are doing is putting together content for Student Housing Insight that is helping mm -hmm. serving as that reminder of, Hey, here are some things you need to be focused on, you know, in, in the, in the coming weeks. For sure. And we said, you know, we've got to, we've got to help folks kind of remember what's, what's the objective over the next, you know, four to six weeks mm -hmm. going into um, winter break and, and coming back from, um, from winter break. Right. So you came up with this, uh, with this awesome graphic um, <laughs> called winter is coming. Uh, which is obviously the takeoff from Game of Thrones. And I looked at it and I was like, this is really good. Like we need to have a quick discussion on this, you know, with the podcast and dive a little bit deeper into it, you know, outside of, of just this Instagram post. By the way, if you're not following us on Instagram, 
it is SH Insight. <coughs> SH Insight is uh, is our uh, handle or whatever. So make sure you go follow us there. We're <laughs> it's it's going so much better now that Leslie. <laughs> Because there was about uh, three or four months there that no one was focusing on it. Because um, there was no one to focus on it um, right. over the summer. So, so again, thanks for what you're doing, and and yeah, folks, go give us a go give us a follow. Make sure you're following Pivotal as well because they've got some of this great content that, that will help you out as well. So let's go through this. You've got quick a uh, quick five points here. Number one is offer lower rates and higher incentives for renewals. But then after I say that to myself and I read it a second time, offer lower rates and higher incentives for renewals. And what I'm hearing in the back of my mind is every owner I've ever worked for, every asset manager that I've worked with, their response to this is going to be, you know, we're already on tier two or tier three rates. We've bumped up a couple of times. Right. We can't go backwards on rates. People are going to come back and say, you know, you're just going to condition folks next year to say, hey, let's wait longer. Yeah, true. Are you suggesting in this, Leslie, that people should roll back pricing or is there some kind of strategy, you know, so we're not upsetting people who have already released with us? No, yeah, that's a really good point. So I actually, something that we pride ourselves on at Pivotal that we're trying to do is um, I think it's safe to say across the board, unfortunately, even though it's been here forever, the student housing industry is um, not very proactive. So it's go, go, go all the time. The daily operations always get in the way. There's like a billion things that your director of marketing, your regional manager, your your owner, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's going to want from you on a daily basis, whatever. So to be honest, what I would actually say here is I would hope um, going forward, these kinds of conversations and this forward thinking and this forward planning are actually taking place during your September budget prep. So September of 2020, we should have been thinking about December 2021. I know that sounds crazy, but that's really, you know, what we do at Pivotal is we are trying to provide, and I want, you know, for Student Housing Insight content as well, to provide as much informative ahead of the schedule, like these things are coming, be prepared types of content. Um, Because like I said, it's not not as proactive as an industry as we probably could or should be. Um, So to be honest, I would say, these things probably should already be in play um, when the time comes. So you don't have to feel like you are taking a step back. Um, So with that, though, I will say I wasn't really um, getting at the fact that we should be, let's say we're at $500 today for renewals and we're at 700 for new leases. That's really what I was implying is we want to make sure that the renewals feel taken care of throughout the close of the year. Um, So what you really don't want to see, unless it's like a a small analogy. I used to have a property that we had these things called four, two Spartans, and it was not the best uh, floor plan to say the least. <laughs> and we sounds had, like so, it sounds like something from an SNL skit, to be right. honest. <laughs> something you don't want to be a part of. No, I'm just kidding. We just, we had so many of them, you know, like okay. there were hundreds of them. Um, so not only did you have to share a bathroom with someone, but we also had like 150 of them to sell. Uh, whatever times four, you know? So anyway, so we did that. um, And for both new and renewal, those were harder to sell. They were always historically the ones that were, you know, left, if you will, at the end of the year. Um, So for renewal and new, those were always under 
just, it doesn't matter really who was coming in. They were always going to be a little cheaper. So of course, you know, when you're doing your rates and when you're doing your inducements and stuff, um, planning obviously for it, just understanding, you know, where you're at as it relates to, you know, where you ended this year in occupancy for that one um, so that you can prep, you know, best. So my thought here would be not necessarily we need to go back on rates per se, but again, there should be a plan in place to know that, you know, during these winter break months when leasing velocity just slows down across the board historically, that we are ready to kind of combat that with something to continue to get them to want to engage with us. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. 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 No, I think, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, planning, you know, in, in, in thinking about this as you're you know coming out with your marketing plan and, you know, typically September or whatever, Right. I think, you know, knowing that, You've got to do something to keep them gate mm-hmm. to keep them engaged, and a lot of that is going to have to. It's going to be you know part of, um, uh, part of price. You know, um, for sure. There's certainly going to be shopping beforehand in, in most cases, and so they, they've got some numbers in their hand in their heads, and if they if they see something through digital marketing, mm-hmm. it's like okay, that's a little bit different than right. what I saw. You know, I think it's. And you know, I'm not to to say that you know, depending on your market, you know, you may even be able to to jump rates a little bit, right? And you know, some someone sees from home that oh shoot, it's mm-hmm. going up ten bucks mm-hmm. since the last time you know I looked at it or talked to them. I probably ought to go ahead and, and, and lock things in. Right. Um, no, and that's a fair point too, is if you maybe do like a flash sale of the next five people or something of that nature, that it's small and it's not even a crazy inducement or anything. Um, yeah. But they know that like, you know, starting on, let's just say December 20th or whatever the day is like at 1159, our rates are going to go up to this number. I mean, that's a big push too. It doesn't necessarily have to be you're getting X off of your rent, but if you don't sign by X, date you're going to go up to 750 you know what i mean yeah. so that's I, I think that's a huge push too for sure yeah so give me give me some examples of higher incentives for for renewals well to be honest i was thinking kind of going back to what you were uh, saying in a second ago is you know, you don't want to make anybody mad uh, that had already signed, right? So let's say, you know, we promise them if they sign on October 1, they're going to get the best deals of the season. And then we come in in December and we just laugh in their face because we give them a better deal, right? So I think the point here is educating our leasing consultants on the sales process so that they can communicate to the residents. So by the time, like you said a second ago, we're on tier two, we're on tier three, right? So these people theoretically are supposed to, let's just go back to my $500 thing. So if you signed on October 1st, you could have gotten a rate of 450, right? And then let's say now we've moved up tier. So now we're looking more at 550. So yes, technically that person got a $200 gift card that you might not have gotten in October, but they're paying an extra $1,200 in rent over the next 12 months or whatever the case may be, because now the rate is in tier three and you are paying 550 compared to 450. So really educating our leasing consultants on seeing those numbers and seeing the science behind how inducements can kind of help. Yes, the net effect rent looks like this, but at the same time, they're still paying 550 or we are still documenting 550 for them. So I think that's something that I just wanted to hit right there. And then for the people that potentially are mad that come back and they're like, well, where's mine at? You know, and that's that's totally reasonable, especially if, you know, we do say you get the best rates here and then we do it again 
And then we do it again in spring. And then we do it again because we don't have enough renewals in the summer. Exactly. Like we want to make sure that is not the verbiage, of course, we're using ever. Um, but I also think even as small as offering them a free paint job, a free carpet clean or a carpet replacement, especially if someone's been there for two or three years. I mean, those things are like gold. Um, or if you see, um, let's think about like a, a standard washer and dryer. Mine were a little cheaper, you know, cause I was at an older property a couple of years ago, but mine were like, you know, four to 600 bucks at HD supply. So if you think about that, that, you know, if, if their washing machine was always, you know, a, an issue in your work orders, you know, historically for the past year or so, those kinds of things, I think, are what's going to also add that extra level of, oh, yeah, you're right. That was an objection that I had to live here next year. But now you've kind of already, you know, kind of mitigated that for me. So you've taken care of it. And yeah, let's go ahead and sign on the dotted line. So yeah. I think that potentially that's something that we can look at internally and it's already really going to be a part of your turn budget. So yeah. it helps everybody. Yeah. No. And I like the, I like the, you know, offer to, to repaint or something like that. Cause that's even, you know, even when you're launching renewal campaigns in September, especially for folks that have rented an apartment, you know, for, for over a year, right. um, certainly over two years going in and saying, look, we know on winter break, it might be a good time for us to come in and, Mm-hmm. And actually go ahead and paint your living room for walls sure. or, or whatever and, you know, offer that as, as an incentive as well. If, you know, if you get the tire crew to, to renew or something like that. Um, I do want to step back and just for anybody in our audience, when Leslie and I are talking about, you know, second tier, third tier, mm-hmm. if you don't know what that is, I, I think most of the, certainly the purpose built student housing world is, is familiar with, with that term, and we've moved to this tier system where, because when you're setting out things at the beginning of, of an academic year, you don't know. And, and one of the biggest issues that we had in this in this industry for such of a, a long period of time is people would come out with, okay, well, this is where we ended up on a on a blended rate, you know, out of coming out of lease up. You know, now we're going to do everything at, you know, tack on 3% or, or, you know, whatever. And that caused a lot of issues because basically, especially from a, from a renewal standpoint, trying to get people to, to start early with, with their commitments, people want to be incentivized for that. So, you know, we said, Hey, if, if the goal is to try to spread leasing out and get that, get people locked in as soon as we can, you know, let's, let's take that 3%, but understand that it's going to be a range. Right you know, of somewhere between, you know, 10 to 15% that, you know, when you come back and, and you, and you blend it and that, those tiers may be based simply off of, you know, a timing of the year, mm-hmm. you know, a percentage of, of each floor plan. That's typically the way most people do it. And, you know, I think most people, most, most people set up three or four tiers, maybe five, and then, you know, monitor the leasing velocity yeah. every week and decide if you need to make some adjustments one way or another for for each of those floor plans. All right, moving on to number two. Don't forget about guarantors when completing renewal calls. You know, I love love this. I think it's, I think it's really key because, you know, the manager who's implementing this Mm -hmm. is, you know, going to have an advantage over any of the other managers in their market that, you know, they just decide, Hey, I'm going to lay back and 
get through the holidays and, you know, or maybe focus on something else, you know, getting the office organized or whatever. Um, and they're not going to be focused on leasing, Mm -hmm. but I think most managers are working with the skeleton crew, you know, through the break, Uh, you know, are there any suggestions on how to make sure those renewal calls get made? Something that I used to do when I was on site, whether it was a skeleton crew or not, either way, but most during these, um, this season is, after hours call banks are huge because, you know, like even let's just say like five, five, six PM, whatever time your office closes, and then you just do it for three hours and everyone's huddled together and you each have your own phone and you have your spreadsheet up and you're just knocking them out. And sometimes that doesn't sound that appealing because, you know, I'm like, I worked eight hours today. I don't want to call for another three, but something that I did with my team that made it super fun for them is we offered a, it was an incentive or like a contest, if you will, for the person who made the most intentional calls. And then, you know, by the end of it, who actually got to speak to people, they got a prize too. And then, and of course, if there were any renewals or any maybes, call me back laters, whatever, um, then I gave them something as well. So it wasn't just like, hey, sorry, you got to stay after hours for three, you know, three hours to make this happen. It was, hey, guys, like we have the opportunity, like you said, to set ourselves apart from our competitors and go out there and get these people. Because as we all know, renewals are the cheapest leases you could possibly get or a, a cold person, if you will, that's out there that you meet at a football stadium, you know, they're a little bit harder to get them to commit to leasing with you, right? A renewal's already there. They hopefully already like you. They love your experience, so on and so forth. And it's going to save you a buttload of money when turn comes around, the higher your retention is because you don't have to, you know, flip those beds. So, I mean, honestly, I would say that was something that we did every um, summer, as well as every uh, Christmas, you know, the winter break season, um, yeah. which is kind of having those longer last a week or so, or you can do it in chunks for those three or four hours, and then just making sure that your team is engaged, and they're really getting something out of it, too. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know managers, I think something they're going to say to that is, well, okay, but you know, I live in an area where, or, or at a university, I have a community that, you know, my CAs just don't stay you know, during the winter break, they want to go home and they're, you know, and I think that's something that's great about living today um, versus Mm -hmm. trying to do this, this business, you know, 20 years ago when I was on site, Mm -hmm. which is set up a Google number. Absolutely. Most of these communities have VoIP systems that are expandable. You can Mm -hmm. put that VoIP client on their, you know, on their, sometimes through an app on, on their phone or, or whatever, and tell them, look, we want you to spend time with your family. We want you to do those things, but we do need you to make some, some phone calls, yeah. you know, pick three hours in the day or, or, you know, whatever's convenient kind of during business hours. And, and, you know, they can, they don't have to be in the office yeah, to make those sure. calls. They do need to be in a place where, you know, it, it's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, you know, sounds right. professional, but, but yeah, don't, don't be afraid of allowing folks to you know make those phone calls. Um, and I think we've all kind of learned through the pandemic of yeah, <laughs> how to get this stuff done when we're not in the office. Mm-hmm. So number three, leverage direct mailers and email marketing campaigns. Oh yeah, I love this one because you know even if a manager has done all the things throughout the year to develop an email list, mm-hmm. those lists can still be bought in their companies. Pivotal being you know one that I would yeah. certainly recommend. 
that can provide kind of a complete turnkey solution on, you know, purchasing an email list and then putting together a, a campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, tell, tell the audience a little bit about that process that you put your clients through when, you know, when they're looking to, to purchase an email list and do yeah. a email campaign. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we actually have strategic partnerships with like universities across the nation. Um, I want to say it's, I think I have 37, I believe 37 or 38 of them right now. Um, so basically we just, we, we get that list, the most updated list for that, uh, uh, semester that we're looking at. So if you want to hit people, you know, for the people that are coming in, in January, we'll have that list. Or if you want the ones that came in in August and you want to continue to hit them, we have that too. So anyways, we would get that list for purchase for the client. Um, and then that could be the only thing that you opt into if you'd like just the list and then it's yours. Like it's not proprietary. Like we gave it to you. You have it, you know, for the rest of the year to hit them with any, you know, marketing collateral that you have. Um, and then the second thing is like you said, that turnkey solution or package, if you will, is, you know, we do the list and then you have that and you have that forever, but then we'll also build a custom campaign, um, with corresponding landing pages, um, that gets sent out on a, you know, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever it be, be um, basis that's going to, you know, bring you the most bang for, uh, biggest bang for your buck. Um, and then we also do the same thing with direct mailers. Um, so some people think that those are dead, but I think it's because, um, shameless plug here, uh, my husband's a mailman <laughs> um, and I, he's actually my mailman, which is funny. He like de- literally delivers our mail. Um, but what's, what's kind of cool about that is I know the so inner- many great jokes there, Leslie. Right? <laughs> Um, so I know like kind of the inner workings of, you know, whenever I was on property, my male lady or at the time, her name was Deborah, she was awesome, but she would bring us the direct mailers from other companies or other properties that were trying to hit my property. And it made me mad, but that was because Deborah was nice and she liked me. Um, but if you think about it, it's mostly that, you know, you're, you're delivering those things to the property address. And then you're wasting so much money on 500 custom, you know, pieces of um, whatever that is like cardstock mm-hmm. and it's not getting to anybody. So that's the difference with us is we actually have the physical addresses of every single apartment number. So it is actually required since I know my husband's rules, it's required to be placed in the box itself um, or at the front door or whatever the case may be for that individual person compared to just being sent to the property. Um, So that's just kind of a synopsis of how those two things are a little different. Well, and another thing to, you know, go back to, uh, you know, college fairs, you know, housing fairs and any other opportunity where you're trying to build out that email list. This is one reason it's so important in getting that permanent address as well, because, what a perfect time to, you know, don't even focus on sending it to the, to the local apartment communities. I mean, yes, you should do that too. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you've got those permanent addresses, you can do a campaign to, to those as well right. during the winter break, which, you know, may serve as a, a reminder to, to a parent to have a, that discussion with their, with their son or daughter Absolutely. about, you know, what their living situation is going to be next year. So. So good point. All right. So I think we're on now to number four, yeah. which is th- th- this may be the biggest thing in all of this. Use quiet time to train your team on closing. And, and here's why I think that's so important. And it's it's kind of the main reason I tell uh, you know, managers that, that I work with. You know, make sure you're scheduling for all of your leasing agents, your community assistants to come back that first week after after New Year's. 
you know, some folks, some universities wait until, uh, especially last year, uh, so many people were waiting until after King holiday and, and, you know, a lot of that had to do with uh, just with kind of their tactics against the pandemic in a lot of ways. But, um, but some schools were doing that beforehand anyway, others are, you know, trying to come back that, that second, third week, but you know, it, it's it's a key time to get those folks back because you really need to spend some time with them. You know, you, you made some mental notes if you didn't make actual uh, actual notes. No. On, you know what you were seeing them do wrong, right. how you were, you know, how they were, uh, you know, how they were answering phone calls or not answering phone calls. And this is kind of a perfect time now that you know, before the stress of, of the semester comes on and, and everybody gets back, it's, some, it's, it's a great time to spend some one-on-one time with them to really work through, you know, those, uh, those issues. And I just can't stress enough that it's, it's so important. Don't, don't leave it out there for them to come back, you know, a, a day before classes yeah, begin sure. because they're not going to be focused on learning what they've got to, to improve from a, from a leasing standpoint. So, any other suggestions on training or, or retraining? Yeah, I mean, I think um, this is the kind of the perfect time, like you said, of the year to really take it back to the basics, back to the fundamentals of leasing and sales and student housing and customer relationships and so on and so forth. Um, because, you know, like you said, if they if someone can come back on, let's see, January 4th, and you have kind of a round table for a couple of days and you know, the property managers there, the assistant managers there, whatever. And we have all the leasing consultants, just really getting them back to, um, you know, if, if, as a prospect comes in, are you acknowledging them that they're here? And it, even if you're on the phone, can you be like, hey, I'll be right with you? You know, keep, keeping that like stand up and greet thing that we always like to say in this industry. Um, no, no one's really doing that anymore, to be honest. Um, from properties that I've personally shopped myself in this market and other markets, um, I, I have to wait sometimes for like five minutes for someone to even acknowledge that I'm there. Um, so I'm not even buying the property. So imagine if I was like those kinds of things, I think it's the perfect time to really go back to basics on those things. Um, understanding that, you know, if your property is not polished, it's not going to sell well. So, um, as simple as, you know, reminding the team and coming up with, you know, let's go back to those opening and closing checklist concept, utilizing your first 30 minutes to make sure that your property is polished and it is sellable and your tour route is clean and your model is it shows as best as it can, um, so on and so forth. And then I also think it's imperative during this time for, like you said a second ago, they've made mental notes in the past of what could be done better or whatever the case may be. So getting out there with your team and showing them how it's done. So if you're a property manager, you you got there for some reason, you might have been a leasing consultant who climbed the ranks, or you knew what you were doing, and you just got that job first, that's fine, too. But either way, um, you know, what's right and what's wrong, um, or how to speak to someone and how to encourage a sale, so on, and so forth. So what I used to love to do was I would actually give my leasing consultants off about a 30 minute, not break by any means, but 30 minutes of shadowing time um, for them to just like hang out with me while I covered their desk. And I made the follow-up calls. I answered any questions as residents came in, so on and so forth. So I think this is a really, really good time, especially like you said, when schools aren't open yet, students aren't necessarily back yet. It's going to be a little quiet, you know, especially from January 4th, probably till the 15th or so. Um, So really utilize that time to get them back to the basics and kind of prep 
what you guys want to do for the next five months of the lease up that we have left? Like what kind of, you know, utilize them They're Theoretically speaking, if you're on a student housing property, your leasing consultants are more than likely your target demographic. So use them That's to your point. advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, yeah, I, I think it's a great time to cover, you know, the, the blocking and tackling basics. Like you mentioned, I think it's also a good time to, I mean, look, they, they've, in, in most cases, they've they've been away from the property for three or four weeks. You know, they've probably had a lot of different things to to think about. They, you know, they've probably ended up in a couple arguments with parents or loved ones or whatever. And I think there, you know, it's it's a good time to just get them engaged, remind them of what you know the goals are for right. a successful leasing season. Season, and also, you know, what's you know. Uh, their goals, mm. you know, be it, you know, if they're, if they're graduating, um, if, the, if they're student leasing agents or community assistants, you know, are they graduating? How are things shaping up for their, for their classes? I think it's, it's as an important time for you as a manager to understand what's going on in their life as it is for them to understand what the goals are for the, um, for the property to finish out the spring semester. So that is, uh, I would say, out of this list, that's that's my biggest one. But I love number five. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, this is an obvious one, right. but I think people probably need some. I think there's probably more strategy behind it than just throwing money into it, and that's put more money into your digital marketing campaigns. Right. You know that that obviously makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. You know they're not on campus, so there's no reason of you know, renting a billboard, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere on campus. Handing for, out flyers, stuff like that. Yeah, handing out flower, flyers. But, you know, should that just be, you know, throwing more money at, at the social and the Google ads? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is there more of a, is there more to a digital strategy? And the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, expanding geofencing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, depending on what kind of market you're in. You know, I think of like a Murray, Kentucky. Well, none of the students live in Murray, but there are a lot that live in Kentucky, right? True. And, you know, I could see expanding that, you know, beyond beyond Murray. Is that a good idea, yeah. first of all? And, you know, is, is there anything else that, that you would suggest? Yeah, no, I think place? geofencing is a good point, especially if you're um, not necessarily a feeder school. So like you said, if like, so I went to University of Florida and Gainesville, you don't live in Gainesville. You just go to school in Gainesville and then you leave, right? You're like a transplant. Right, um, right. So geofencing at UF during the winter break would not have been smart of me just because they were all gone. So quite frankly, when you say geofence, it's a digital fence, a literal you know circle around this location. And then my message is going to go into said circle, right? So in my opinion, I love geofencing, but in my opinion, geofencing is not smart during this season um, just because everyone's gone. So it's like the people that you're wanting to hit could be in Kentucky, could be in Michigan, could be in Atlanta, so on and so forth, going back home, you know, to their to their families. But again, like you said, if there is a school where a good um, a large population are within a 30 mile radius or within that state even alone, and they're not really being fed from other cities or other states or so, then I think that that is a fantastic idea to add in. So I got to be honest, I did not realize you went to Florida. Yeah, go Gators. Now, I, and and I'm putting the time frame together. That means you were at, you were at the University of South Carolina when Spurrier was the coach. 
right? I mean, potentially, but I did not follow along. (laughs) I was there. It was 2016 was when I was in COLA. So I was at UF for that whole, you know, whatever, 2011 through 2015, and then 2016 in Columbia. And then I've been here ever since. Gotcha. Gotcha. That had to be a, (laughs) yeah, there's being in student housing in a place like, like if you graduated from Ohio state Mm. and you had to go to Michigan for a visa, (laughs) that would be so tough. And then like Florida, Tennessee, Tennessee, Florida, Florida, any SEC. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm okay with with being transplanted into a Gamecock. That was fine. It didn't kill me that much, but I would never go to Alabama. I would never go to FSU. So (laughs) I hate to say it. I love y'all. I have amazing clients in Tallahassee, um, but not necessarily (laughs) something that I want to (laughs) do. So there's there's fine lines. I'm I'm with you. (laughs) I follow you. That's one of the toughest things being in student housing, especially those tier one schools. Yeah, for sure. In the Power Five, it's like you can't even buy a hat because it's like (laughs) don't want to upset anybody. Oh, for sure. Anyway, um, so anything else with digital marketing campaigns and how that money should be increased during that period? Um, okay, so what I was thinking here, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a money suck by any means, um, but I do think it needs to be attended to. Um, so basically my thought here is, and this is what I tell all of my properties, all of my clients, is we want to just man- maintain, if not enhance, our exposure and engagement efforts. Um, so that could be a multitude of things. That could be the PPC campaigns you were talking about a second ago. That could be um, exposure through like a prominent influencer in your market or, uh, you know, as, as small, I, I say small, I'm a social media guru, so I love that. But, you know, just making sure that your content is consistent and frequent, um, probably honestly more frequent now than any other time this semester. Um, because like you said a second ago, you're not physically in front of them at all um, for probably the next four weeks because yeah, they're still here right now, um, but they're studying for finals and then they're taking finals and then they're leaving and then they're not coming back until January 12th or whatever you know your market is. Um, so I would just say anything that you can think of um, that's gonna make sense for your individual market and your individual property that will again, increase ex- uh, exposure and engagement with your message. Again, exposure to both your current residents and potential new residents coming online. So they already have your message in their heads. Um, And of course, they can sign on the bottom line now over the next six weeks. But, you know, at least you are doing your part to make absolutely sure that come January, their message is, uh, or your message is at the forefront of their brain. Um, So it's an easy yes, kind of when they come back. Um, So I would just say, like I said, making sure that you're staying up to date on social media, even if you have a skeleton crew, you know, utilizing scheduling platforms to your advantage, uh, making sure that all I's are dotted and T's are crossed, even when people might not physically be in the office. Um, So that's just that's my feedback is just not necessarily having to put a lot of more money into it per se, but just making sure that even through these like lower velocity and slower leasing days um, and slower staff days, quite frankly, that we are still maintaining, if not honestly enhancing um, our efforts on the on that front, because that's like you said earlier, probably the only way they're going to see us over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so key. Just keeping as far as the mindset part of it, I think. It's so easy for us to to disengage um, during this time, and to to a certain a certain point, it needs to happen. Sure. You know, th- this is a perfect time to to think about other things that 
that needs to uh, be done around the office and, and out on the property. I know so many people are, uh, and I'm currently preparing for, you know, both you and I are going to be at LeaseCon next week. And so I'm preparing for some panels on that. And, uh, you know, some of that is, is on supply chain issues. Right. And everybody's saying, look, you can't wait till, you can't wait to spring break to do your furniture walks and that kind of stuff. Like you've got to do those during winter breaks. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like we made that transition probably about three or four years ago. Cause as far as furniture was concerned, we've, we've had that issue because so much of the stuff is coming out of China. We've had that issue, you know, for like I said, at least three years, if right. not four years, even when it comes to, you know, reordering, you know, bits and pieces for renewal furniture, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I know more and more is is being put onto managers at this time of the year for overall operations, but we've said it on this podcast before, and I'll say it again: the most important thing is always going to be leasing, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, unless if you're in a situation where you've got some type of master lease agreement or arrangement with the university or, you know, you're just kind of in that perfect market that sells out and it's not overbuilt and, you know, everybody does well. It's, it's very hard to, to, to ignore leasing during this time and marketing during this time because it's, it's, it's what sets the, the folks apart come the end of January when everybody is back making those decisions. So, well, Hey, we should have wore our ugly Christmas sweaters for this. I, mean, I don't know why we did. It's just black, but it's a turtleneck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should have put a little but bit more. That would have been fantastic. Least con. I'll bring mine. You bring yours. <laughs> yeah, with it only being one day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. And Texas. It's going to be a little warm. Yeah, I got to figure out what the what the weather is. Um, so, yeah, I I'm, I plan on putting this this episode out over the weekend. So hopefully folks will have a chance to, to see this before, yeah. before lease con. And for those that are going to be there, both you and Donna Davidson from pivotal are going to be there. You're going to be on a social media panel yeah, from what I better. hear. Mm-hmm. So super excited to, to see that. And if folks want to reach out to, to pivotal and, and look at possibly engaging you guys for any of your services, what's the best way for them to reach you, Leslie? Uh, honestly, uh, all of our emails are super easy. Leslie at thepivotalcompanies.com, Donna at thepivotalcompanies.com, and so forth. Um, so you can also find us just like um, Wes did his shameless plug earlier. I'll do mine now. But uh, but you can find us at the Pivotal Companies um, for our handle across the board, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, all the above. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks.